We welcome you to the Tuesday People Podcast on this Tuesday, Election Day, around the United States of America. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I am the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, uh, which when it wasn't Election Days were Tuesdays that I spent with my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, learning one last class on what's important in life before he died from Lou Gehrig's disease. And the wisdom that he shared with me still guides my life and still guides many people who have embraced the book Tuesdays with Maury. And we talk about that every Tuesday here, a very unusual Tuesday we find ourselves gathered in today. Lisa Goich is alongside, as always, my friend, my producer of the Tuesday People podcast. Lisa, happy Election Day to you. Happy Election Day to you, too, Mitch. I'm, uh, I'm still trying to get rid of my Halloween candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't have as many uh, people come to the door this time as we had before. Although I had, I had a whole... There, there was one, like, 30-person... They were what? all the kids... Yeah, they had all kind of banded together, but socially distanced families. Right? I don't know if they thought there was safety in numbers or whatever. And there were, like, 30 at once, but they came in... They, they, you know, small groups, you know, like, okay, there's three, and the next three, next two, but they they all traveled together uh, in the street. So we did get rid of, we ended up with three three Snickers bars left, I think. That's not That's bad. funny. That's it's funny. always good we that had... you don't end up with a lot left because that you don't have to eat it yourself. So you ended up with three Snickers bars. We only yeah. ended up with three kids this year. Really? Only three children. Yeah. Wow. And uh, the first child, so we have two giant bags of Costco candy left in the house, which is oh, that's really dangerous. Good. They're very dangerous. No, you got to no, find a I've charity. Gained... Yeah. Yeah, I know. We got to find a charity because so far I'm the charity and uh, yeah, I've gained 2.1 pounds since last week. Um, <laughs> not good. It's not so how Halloween's supposed to work. No, I have one quick Halloween story, though, which is sort of an election day thing because it, it deals with... Uh, well, here's it. So our first trick-or-treater comes up to the house, and she was this little, cute little girl, right? Little tiny girl. And I go, oh, my gosh, look, our first trick-or-treater is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And her <laughs> mom said, no, she's Wednesday Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, totally uh, misjudged the costume. Yeah, Same li- thing, white White collar, black dress. I was pretty sure I nailed that right. one, but yeah. no. Or <laughs> well, just, you were just using uh, most recent references, that's all. Yes, uh, it was most recent references. But, uh, well, I can understand how politics would be on your mind. This is election day, and uh, I went back and, and checked the dates because I knew that Maury had died on November 4th, and I wasn't sure if there had been an election Tuesday because I would have remembered it. But as it turns out, Maury right. passed away on November 4th, 1995, and the election day of that year was November 7th. It wasn't the presidential election. That was the following year, 1996, which would have been Clinton's second term. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Maury died just before election day, three days before election day. That would have been mm. the last Tuesday. Had he lived, I would have gone and visited him on Tuesday, election day in 1995. Wow. What do you think Maury would have to say about all this election stuff happening right now? Well, I've been asked that before uh, a lot in the last few days. And I'll, I will tell you this. Uh, Maury would not have been that wrapped up in who won, partly because Maury felt that all politicians were not to be trusted, ultimately. <laughs> and he was not a fan of, of uh, you know, people who ran for 
office, but right. I think he would have been concerned less about who got into the White House than how we behaved after the election was over. And it's been my thought, too. You know, when everyone says, what do you think is going to happen in an election? If only if Biden gets in, then we'll, we'll be like this. If, if, if Trump gets in, then we're going to be like this. And I said, what makes you think that the person who sits in the White House is what makes you who you are? If we have been behaving a certain way over COVID-19, wearing a mask, confronting people, screaming at people, if we have been behaving a certain way, however you feel on any of those things, are you going to be different because of the person who's in the White House, or are you going to account for your own behavior? And I think we, right. have, to, we have to account for our own behaviors to one another, our kindness or lack thereof to one another, the way that we conduct our debates with one another. Uh, we don't, we're not civil. We've lost the respect that comes from saying, you don't have to be exactly like me for me to respect you and listen to you. And so I am worried, and I think Maury would be worried more about our humanity and what we have become under coronavirus, and we have a good reason for it. This is a once-every-hundred-year pandemic, and the pressure that people feel and the anger that people feel, the frustration, the fear, it, it, it's all very uncommon. You know, we don't have, we don't mm -hmm. get locked down on a regular basis as a nation. Uh, we don't get told that our kids can't go to school. We don't get told that we can't attend funerals. Uh, we can't hold our weddings, that Thanksgiving's going to be canceled. All of these things are not normal. And so it's not surprising that we react in strange ways. But we need to take responsibility right. for our own actions and the way that we treat one another. And if, all that's going to happen is that, let's say, uh, you know, Biden and the Democrats win. If all that's going to happen is that we're just going to flip-flop who's in power and who isn't, but the gloating and the anger and the resentment is going to be the same, it's just going to be flipped as to who's in, in power now, then how are we any better? How are we any better? I don't blame my behavior on who sits in the White House. And I don't, you know, I, I blame things that happen politically by the people who sit in the White House, but my behavior is my responsibility. And I don't get to excuse it because I don't have the person I want in the White House or I have the person I want in the White House. And so um, I think Maury would say that, you know, be, we have to be kind to one another. Maury's, Maury's thing was always love each other or perish. That was the quote right. that he used all the time, you know, from Auden, love each other or perish. And um, we seem to be worried a lot about perishing, but not worrying a lot about loving one another. You know, I think there's something to be said about going back to the days when our parents never talked about politics or didn't talk about <laughs> what their politics were. Uh, you know, because like, here's something interesting. I don't I've known you for 30 years. I don't think I honestly know what your politics are. And don't tell me. I don't want to know. But <laughs> we've never really had those discussions. And I mean, you know, I, I may know what, uh, what, how you sit on certain topics and subjects, but that doesn't always say who somebody's going to vote for. Right. I think there was a certain beauty in just going and voting and just being kind to your neighbors, no matter who they were. And just 
be nice. You know, I, I, I've fallen into the trap of, of this as well. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here on my high horse, but, and it's really difficult to not try to defend things that you believe in. But I, I really do think that we're crumbling and you're right. No matter who wins tomorrow, we have to come out on November 4th as good people. And what, like, I, I posed this question the other day on social media. It's November 4th. Now what? So what are you going to do that morning? You know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to feed my dogs. I'm going to do all the things that I always do, which most people are going to do. You know, it's not right. going to change much of what you do in your regular everyday life. And that's the kind of thing we have to think about. And then how about going out and being charitable and help people and try to change things on a local level if that's what you believe in, you know? Right. But, and there's nothing we, stopping you from doing that today, tomorrow, no. the next day, whenever they count all these ballots. There's nothing no. to stop you from, from caring about other people, period. And we're not in any way diminishing the issues that are at hand here. No. Uh, but the issues no. that are at hand... the are also within your control to a certain degree, too. You know, you're not just a reflection of the government. But by the way, no matter who wins, uh, come January 20th, uh, when they get sworn into office, it's not like the next five minutes the whole country changes. Everything's going right. to take a long time and things that there are proposals and bills and and arguments and things that have to uh, pass both houses of Congress and then they have to get enacted and have to get put into place. Even if one party's agenda got rushed through the effects of it, take years, take years yeah. to roll out. You know, even, uh, you know, by example, the I, I just heard uh, Joe Biden talking about a $15 minimum wage. You know, we're going to have a $15 minimum wage. Okay. That may very well happen if he ends up winning and wins both houses of, of, of Congress. But even that, the rollout is until 2027. We're talking yeah, about by the time it gets to, time, right. to, you know, $15 an hour, 2027, which feels like a million years from now. But what right. can you do tomorrow about this situation, well, it's within your own behavior and how you're going to treat your neighbors and how you're going to treat your family members. And you're right, Lisa, are you going to start defining by, you know, hi, how you doing? So who'd you vote for? Is that going to yeah. be your discussion point? Is that how you're going to have your uh, determine whether you can go on? I know so many people say, I just can't have anybody in my life who is voting for fill in the blank, you know? Really? Yeah. You can't have them in your life because they're in your country. You're going to be living next door to people who didn't vote the same way as you. You're going to be going to work with people who didn't vote the same way as you. You're going to have to be sharing space and going to restaurants and all the rest with people who didn't vote the same way as you. Not that you're necessarily going to know, but you can't have anyone in your life who doesn't agree with you on who to vote for president. That's a pretty harsh standard by which to well, say it's kind of difficult yeah yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> a harsh standard to start set, putting walls up around you and again it's you've heard you, you've heard us talk about forgiveness and how maury felt at the end of his life about little things that separated him from people that he cared about and how he would say it means nothing to me now as i'm dying as i'm laying here dying the differences i had mean nothing 
to me how I, I wish that I hadn't had them. I wish I hadn't had that quarrel or that falling out that separated me from somebody that I cared about for all these years. All I wish now is that I could tell them what great friends they were or how much they meant to me, and I can't because they're they're gone or they're out of my life. Do you really want to lose people over who you voted for in a particular election? I know people. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, perhaps I'm one of them. I don't know that I can remember who I vote, voted for every time I voted. I remember the last one, the last one, the one before that. But if I go back to the 80s, which is when I was, you know, I was old enough to vote at that point. I'm not sure I can remember. I think I remember who I voted for, but now... So if I can't even remember every single election that I voted for, am I really going to lose somebody I care about because they may have voted differently than me in an election now? Right. Can you remember everybody you voted for every single time? No. I actually posted a... uh, There was a a story in the news about a 103-year-old Detroit woman who is, you know, just they showed her at the polls and going to vote. And she was talking about everybody she's voted for in her life. And I had to really think about that. I said, I think the first time I vote voted was 1984. Mm-hmm. And based on my parents, you know, I was what my parents were, you know, and right. I don't need to talk. I'm not right. going to reveal right, right, what right. I am here. Right. But I was what my parents were. So I'm going right. to assume that I voted for the same party that my parents voted for right. at that time. But if do I remember that? I don't remember. I don't yeah. I, I barely remember what I did 3 weeks ago. So right. I, That's yeah, my I, point. So <laughs> if if these turn out to thing be things in your own life that you can't even necessarily remember, then is it really worth losing a friend or losing a family member over a difference on this? It's probably in a weird way Maybe a blessing in disguise in a, in a very small way that Thanksgiving is going to be canceled for so many families this year because <laughs> yes. coming off of this election, there might have yeah. been, been some nasty stories coming out about Thanksgiving. Uh, about yeah. yeah, we started, we didn't make it through the cranberry sauce, and uh, <laughs> then half the table left in protest. <laughs> I don't want yeah. that. Uh, anyhow, so, all right, we have that in mind, and, and keep that in mind as we go through this week, uh, as we go through Election Day today, and then all the days that follow, because clearly this is going to take a little while to determine the outcome of the election. And I just hope that, you know, people remember we're still a country, we're, we're still country men and women to one another. That doesn't change, no matter who's in office. And we should remember to try to act that way towards one another. Uh, meanwhile, I thought about, well, what can I kind of bring up today that is not political but is timely? And, of course, the media is a huge part of politics now and how people feel about politics and where they get their information, et cetera. And a lot of people are very down on the media, and understandably so. But twas a time for me that a media news program changed my life because it was the reason that Maury Schwartz and I got back together. And that program is Nightline, the show that ran for decades with Ted Koppel as the host. And it was only through 
Ted Koppel's interview of Maury Schwartz that I got back together with Maury in the first place. I was sitting in my nice house in Michigan, you know, uh, minding my own business, minding my own life, very ambitious as a sports writer, not very interested in matters of the heart or matters of uh, what was important in life or anything like that. Maury had been my college professor back in, in Brandeis University, but that had been a long time earlier already, 16 years, that I had been out of college, and I had really lost track not only of him, I hadn't contacted him, hadn't spoken to him, anything, in all that time, but I really had become quite a different person than I was in college. I think I was much more idealistic in college and much more open and, and uh, listening to Maury and, and you know looking to explore the world with through the perspective that Maury had shared with me. And then as I got into it, I became uh, much more narrow-minded about success, much more focused on it, uh, and began to be successful and started to rise up that way. And a little bit of success makes you hungry for more success, and more success makes you hungry for more success, and that's kind of what I did. And it really wasn't until I saw Maury on the Nightline program talking to Ted Koppel about what it was like to die from Lou Gehrig's disease, that I was kind of shaken out of this 16-year trajectory and convinced to go and see Maury for what I thought would be a one-time visit and which turned into all the Tuesdays that he had left in his life and turned into Tuesdays with Maury and turned into a real fulcrum for me and a turning point in my life. So I thought it would be interesting to examine how that came to pass. So there was a producer named Richard Harris who worked for Nightline. And at the time, the Boston Globe had come out and done a story about Maury for the Boston Globe, about this strange old professor who was teaching people lessons in dying, basically, mm-hmm. as because that's what Maury was doing. People were coming by and visiting, and he was talking to them about what it was like to die and how he felt, et cetera, et cetera. And Richard went to Ted Koppel and, and uh, said, hey, this would be a good story, I think, for us. And next thing you know, Ted Koppel is traveling up to West Newton, Massachusetts, to meet my old professor, Maury Schwartz. Now, all he knew about him was, was what was in the article. Right. That really did not describe Maury's personality, which was pretty feisty, uh, particularly mm-hmm. when it came to being interviewed. Here is Maury telling me uh, how the whole thing laid out when he first met Ted Koppel and Ted walked into his home preparing to sit down and start doing the interview. And Maury said, uh, not so fast. Listen. Anyhow, when he came in, I said to him, Ted, we have to talk before we have an interview because I'm going to give you my guts and i got to know who you are. Who am I talking to? Or was that, in this room? Yep. He said, okay. We went in here. Standing outside the door were two of the crew. One says, they've been a day around a day and a half. They saw me functioning. One says the other, oh, I'm so worried about what Ted is going to do to Maury. Tough guy. Huh? The other guy says, I'm so worried about what Maury's going to do to Ted. So the guy who was worried about what Maury was going to do to Ted, he was more 
prescient than the other guy because Amori had the upper hand. He was the one being interviewed. Uh, And so they sit down to have a discussion. And I always found this fascinating. Remember, here's Maury Schwartz, 78 years old, dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, a a small, impish-looking, white-haired professor in a wheelchair. And here's Ted Koppel at the height of his popularity and success. I mean, Ted Koppel recognized wherever he goes and the two of them go into a room and they sit down and here is what ensued in the beginning of the conversation. So right away I knew what course of action I was going to take with this guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be impressed. Mm -hmm. He sits down I said, okay, Ted, maybe we ought to begin are you telling me something from your heart? He looks at me. He's pretty cool. He said, okay. Starts to tell me about his children and how much they mean them and so on. I said, pretty good. He liked it. Then he said, have you ever watched my program? I said, about twice. He said, what? Twice? I said, yeah. I said, yeah. If only I watched Oprah once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked at me. He said, what do you think? I said, I thought you were a narcissist. Now, can you imagine being told by wow. <laughs> this old man you just wow. met, you're a, you're a narcissist. I thought you were a narcissist. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Did they include that in the interview? They included that. In the first program, uh, first uh-huh. Nightline, Ted said, would you please tell our audience what you told me when we first met? And Maury said, okay, if you want me to. I thought you were a narcissist. <laughs> oh and he, so he said it on Nightline as well. But first he said it in that little room. And, right. uh, wow. you know, Koppel was embarrassed a little bit, but uh, but he took it in stride. And I remember Maury saying, you know, he, he, um, you know, he handled it well. He said something like, oh, my wife tells me the same thing or something like that. So Maury was impressed with that. But they weren't done. There was still a little bit more to go. So then I said, Ted, you're not off the hook yet. He said, yeah. I said, tell me something about your spiritual life. He looked at me and said, I don't talk about such personal things to somebody I've only known for 10 minutes. I said, Ted, I don't have a lot of time to waste. <laughs> uh, so Maury was, uh, I don't have a lot of time to waste here, guy. I'm the one who's dying, okay? Uh, and and so uh, he, he put him back on his heels. And by the time they started the interview, Ted knew that he, A, that he was up against, you know, someone he had met his match, and B, he really already liked mm-hmm. Maury. And it, you could tell mm-hmm. in the broadcast. You could tell in the conversation. The show did very well. And... Um, they came back and did another one. And uh, I was there for, uh, well, I wasn't there when they filmed it, but I was already seeing more when they did the second one. And then they came back and they were going to do a third one, I remember. And by that point, they had said to Maury, uh, we're going to stay in touch with you. Let us know, you know, when it's really getting bad. And they didn't say it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a mean way. But it was right. clear, like, they wanted to do the third show when the advan- the disease had advanced 
to the point that right. you know it was obvious. And I, I, I remember taking that a little. I understood why they were doing it. You know, obviously, you don't want to just show somebody the same way they were the week before. It, it's more poignant if now last time we saw him, he was sitting up, or now he can't. Okay, I get it. That's how television works. But I was concerned that he was being used, and I told mm-hmm. him that in a subsequent conversation. Don't let him exploit you. No way. It has to be mutual exploitation. Right. Right. He gives me the chance to get a message. Right. He gets a program that's right. very appealing. Right. It's just a matter of showing this guy on his deathbed or something. Forget right. it. I thought that was really interesting when he said that. Maury understood fully that there was an appeal from a ratings point of view and a news point of view. It was obviously was doing very well. That's why they did three shows. And and uh, to talk to a guy who's actually dying and is talking about dying, and is it's very compelling. Uh, and yeah. so he called that mutual exploitation because if they were exploiting him for, okay, here's a guy who you know, is compelling, but the only real reason he's compelling to the TV audience who doesn't know him is because he's dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. But he was going to exploit the situation to get his message across, to get his message about loving one another and death ending a life but not a relationship. So it's mutual exploitation. You give me a platform to say my things. I give you the guest that you want that uh, is, is poignant. Everybody's happy because they all get a big audience and on it goes. So even in that, right. Maury was pretty, he was pretty straightforward. You know, he, he, he sort of got it. And finally, there had been a, a quite, you know, it wasn't Maury's first time being interviewed after he announced that he had Lou Gehrig's disease, some local programs had come and done some interviews with him as well. And so this question was not asked by Ted Koppel, but by another interviewer, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to share it with you because of the way that Maury answered it. Listen. And I said there something about I had a choice whether I want to live or die. You know, die meaning I withdraw, have nothing to do with anybody, be bitter and angry and so on. Or I could live as far as I could. So I decided I want to live. So Paul asked me this zinger of a question. Why did you want to choose living? So I stopped and thought. I said, well, first of all, there are a lot of loving relationships that I had that I want to continue. A lot of things that I want to teach I think is worth teaching. A lot of things I want to learn are worth learning. There's a lot of love I have to give to other people who come into my orbit, a lot of compassion. And then I said, finally, when you're dead, you're dead a long, long time. So in that answer is a lot of what we're talking about here today. Maury recognized when he had a choice to sort of say, am I going to live meaning am I going to enjoy and, and wring out as much joy as I can of the days that I have left, or am I going to die, meaning I'm just going to wait, let this thing take me over, like being right. pulled under by a shark, and then uh, you know eat me and, and kill me. And he said, I'm going to live because there's a lot I want to do. There's people I want to love. There's things I want to teach. There's things I want to learn. There's compassion I want to show. And let's face it, you're going to be dead for a long, long time once you die. So 
choose the life that allows you to do all these things. And that's a good yep. way of approaching life and a good way to sort of wrap this up as well is to say we have choices to make. One of the choices to make is who you're going to vote for, but it's not the ultimate choice in your life. It's the choice of how you're going to live. Not who's going to govern you, how you are going to live your life. And when Maury said, you know, I recognize I'm going to be dead a long, long time, so let me not be in a hurry to die from this disease. Let me try to wring out as much as I can of every day that I have left. Let me try to Mm -hmm. get the most out of it. And when he said get the most out of it, it wasn't pay the least taxes. It wasn't get my party in office. It wasn't uh, watch as much TV news as I can. It was loving relationships I want to continue, things I want to teach that are worth teaching, things I want to learn that are worth learning, love to give, people to come into my orbit and to show compassion to. I think all of us can say that and say, that is what will make our days worthwhile. That is what will make us, that's what you want to vote for. That's what you want to choose. And if you do do that, I think everything else will fall into place. All these political arguments will fall into place because you'll see, well, wait a minute, do do I want to spend my time? How do I know this isn't my last week on earth? This is how I'm going to spend it? If you you think Mm -hmm. like Maury did, like the end could be coming at any point, how are you going to choose to spend your days? And this is what he chose to do. So I thought that that was a great answer, even though it wasn't given on Nightline. It was a great answer that he ended up doing through the media. So there are many moments where the media can still bring nice things together because when I saw that first Nightline, that was what prompted me to make the phone call, call Maury, feel guilty enough to have to go visit him, visit Maury, feel guilty enough that I had to continue to visit him and ultimately get turned around and have the best experience that I've ever had in terms of an interaction for a brief period of time with one other person. Maury changed my life. Yeah, and it was all Amazing that you just happened to see it. You know, like, wow, I think about that all the time. You know, sliding doors right there. Sliding doors. (laughs) Well, Nightline was a popular program. A lot of people were watching it back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, to be in that night and to see Maury. So hopefully there's some lessons there as we head out. Uh, be nice to one another. Uh, vote for sure. However you're going to vote, please vote for sure. Uh, and exercise your voice. But after that's done, there's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the rest of the month, the rest of our year, and the rest of our lives. Let's be as human as we can be to one another. We look forward to talking to you again in a week's time and until then on behalf of Lisa Goich and our Tuesday People podcast which you can check out at wetuesdaypeople.com and all the information and discussion groups are there. This is Mitch Album saying as always we will see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.